This week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast Sermon will be given by Chaplain Brian Coyne. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would fill us, that you would be here in this room. Lord, as you have said, wherever two or more are gathered in your name, that there you are with them. Lord, we recognize your presence here. Would you be with us this morning? Lord, would your word penetrate our lives and change us? Lord, we ask that uh, today we would leave here different. We would leave changed. Lord, would, uh, would you pair us, prepare us to, to receive your word? Lord, we ask this in your holy name. Amen. All right, friends. One more time. I'm Brian Coyne, and it's good to be with you this morning. I would just ask you, if you would, if we could get all of our fathers to stand. If you're in the room and you are a father, how about you stand? Let's give them a hand. One. If, if you didn't get one of our cans of mints with the scripture in them, you should get one. They're around. And just think about the difference. I'm just highlighting the difference between uh, moms and dads. Because can you imagine implying that your wife had good, bad breath on Mother's Day, right? But we can get away with it with you guys. It's awesome. Now, I want you to have a seat. And I want you to stand up if you are a male. Not the fathers can stay sitting down. Male, stand up. You don't have to be a father. Now, as we look at it, you guys who are largely will be fathers someday, all of you who stood up before, that's our responsibility to pass on, to pour into, and to show what right looks like. And you guys are going to be the next generation, and that's an awesome thing, how God does that. So pay attention, watch, and of course, above all, God is our perfect example of a father because we all mess it up constantly, but he is perfect, and he is the only example that uh, will never let us down, will never fail us, and, uh, and keep your eyes on him for your fathers and for your fathers-to-be. I pray God's blessing on each and every one of you. Go ahead and have a seat. So this morning, you heard the scripture being read from Matthew 13, and that's where we're going to delve in today. Now, the first time we were stationed here at Fort Bragg, we lived in a, a housing area called Biaza Ridge. If you drive down Riley Yadkin right there, you'll see the sign. If you look beyond the sign, you will see streets, and you will see concrete paths, and you will see things that look like it's out of a horror movie because it's been torn down and just abandoned, and it's kind of scary now. But it didn't always used to be that way. And we lived there, and we lived on Mazak Court, and in my front yard was this patch of ground. And it was dark, and it was hard, and it had no grass. And I wanted grass. I wanted grass so that there wasn't a big puddle of water there uh, every time it rained. I wanted grass so that the kids could play in the green, uh, soft grass in the front yard. But I did not have grass. And so I wanted to get grass. So I go and get grass seed, and I 
dig it up a bit, and I throw grass seed, and I even got some straw and threw it out there, and we put up the little ropes around so that the guys who came and massacred the lawn every week would not drive over it to grow grass. And I even watered it, which, if you know me and lawns, that's a, that's a huge thing. Like, I was going big time. And what did I get? I got nothing. I got nothing. There was nothing grew. Some little sprouts came up. They died. It was done. I got nothing. No grass. And, you know, someone had tried before me to grow grass because when I was digging, I found those little plastic mesh things. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that hold the sod together. So someone had actually gone uh, big time. I should have paid attention. They had gone big time before and laid sod there. It didn't work either. What was the problem? The problem was the dirt. Well, okay, that's an overstatement. It really wasn't dirt. It was hard-packed sand. It was Fort Bragg. That was the problem. And you know, our scripture this morning is about dirt. It's about us as dirt. Now, hopefully you can get over that. Yes, you're dirt. Get over it. Move on. It's all right. You know, even God said that to from, from the dirt, and we're going back to the dirt. So the quicker I get over that, and the quicker we get over that, the more we'll be out. We're dirt. Let's move on and see what we're getting. Let's be some good dirt. And that's what our passage is about. Now, if you, you're familiar with this passage, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you've heard it before, and we could hit this from a number of different ways and angles, and we could actually spend some months on it and probably still not plumb its depth. But I want to focus on the dirt. That's where we're going this morning. And the point of this whole thing is that we're supposed to be good dirt. That's on us. Be good dirt. If you walk away and know that, you've got something. Be good dirt. Now, the whole point of these parables, right? We're going through these parables. We're talking about the kingdom. The whole point is that Jesus told these stories. We have we have stories, we have teaching, we have instruction on the kingdom because the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms that we see around here. And that's the point. He's teasing it out. There's some similarities, but there's some big differences. And in this case, think about the kingdoms of the world versus what we're being asked to do. We're being asked as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to be hearers, to give a hearing to the word, to Jesus his instruction you know that that's not the same as the rest of the kingdoms of the world right let's go ancient times if you were in israel and rome rolled in you knew it 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 didn't matter whether you gave a hearing or not you got a tax bill roman soldiers showed up and had you carry their equipment and maybe shacked up in your house uh, whenever they felt like it you knew that you were under the rule and reign of rome They weren't asking for a hearing. They were just asking for you to do what you're told. If you were living in Syria and you came under the rule of ISIS, you knew it, right? Heads started rolling. Things that were fine before aren't fine anymore. Things were different. You knew it. They didn't ask for a hearing. God's saying, I want you to be good soils. I want you to be, give me a hearing. Listen, hear, and understand. And really what he's getting at, here's the difference in the kingdom again, is it's all on him. He said, I just want you to give me a hearing. I want you to listen. I want you to hear. 
but I'm doing all the heavy lifting. I'm doing all the work. I'm cultivating. I'm watering. I'm giving you light. I'm giving you the right weather. I'm giving you everything. And when I'm honest with myself, I realize that that's one of the biggest hindrances I had about this whole following Jesus thing. As Americans, as soldiers, be like, give me the raw materials, give me the stuff, tell me what you want done, and then I'm going to build it and you can reward me based on my efforts. And you can say, I, you built something nice, Brian, good job, well done. That's not how it works. That's not the kingdom. That's a kingdom, it's just not the kingdom of God. He does everything. And what he wants from us is a hearing. And so he tells us this parable, and if you look in there, before we even get to the, the soils, the dirt, we need to understand why he's doing this in the first place. How, what are we supposed to do with this? He gives us a great indication. When all the disciples came around and said, hey boss, why do you, why you tell people these stories? Like, what's up with that? And he refers to Isaiah. Matthew refers, he shows us this. So the Jewish audiences that are reading this, they know, oh, he referred back to Isaiah. That must mean something. And it does. Think about the role of a prophet. What did the prophets do? Right? They took the standard, God's standard, the law, his character, what he had talked to, he had told people to do, and then often with supernatural insight and wisdom, he would measure them against the standard. And then pronounce, hey, this, if you guys keep doing this, this bad stuff where you're off, this is what's going to happen. The Babylonians are going to come and whoop up on you. Oh, king, you're going to die if you keep it up. Now, if you could align with what God's told you to do, all good things are going to happen. So do that. That's the prophets. I know it's a, it's a, it's a simple explanation, but in its essence, that's what they did. And in my hard-packed lawn, if I had taken a scoop of that dirt, and did you know that you can send off dirt to labs and they will analyze it? Like, if you're serious, you already know that. But for the rest of us, that, who knew? So you send it off and they analyze it and they tell you how much clay is there, how much sand's there, how much organic matter, the minerals, the potassium, phosphorus, magnesium, nitrogen, all that stuff, and then they come back and they measure it against a standard. This is what life requires. This is what growth requires. And this is what you got, Brian, in your yard with no dirt. You got sand with nothing. What are your questions? That's what they're doing. Same thing as prophets. And that's what Jesus is pointing to in Isaiah. He's, he's given us something to measure against. And so what I would encourage you to do as we look at these soils, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the rule come against your life the measure, and do the analysis. The awesome thing is we talk about, you know, we talk about zero defect mentality in the army and we want to get away from it and oh, we don't have a zero defect. Maybe, maybe not. But the great thing is, is when we get measured, when God measures us, he certainly doesn't have a zero defect mentality. You know why? Because he knows we're already screwed up. Like he knows we're already off the rails. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us. So when we get measured, there's no pain, there's no accusation. It's just, that's what the devil does. We just like, oh, 
oh, I need, I need help with this. I can't do this on my own. So as you're getting measured, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, know that that's it. It's a gracious God saying, I want you to be better, and I want to make you better. I just want you to hear. I want you to listen and receive. How awesome is that? So let's dive in here. And ask what kind of dirt we are. And just one little note as we got to get into here. Lots of people, once we can parse this about, well, who, which one of these are actually Christians, which one are actually followers of Christ. That might be a good discussion. But for me, I think it limits me because I can look at all of them and I can see glimpses of myself. And that's not good. And I should be better. And I want to be better. And so I would just say, wherever you're at, let's not worry about whether it's a Christian, non-Christian, whoever. Let's just say, am I like this? And is that good or is that not good? Can I be better by the grace of God? So let's dive into the first one. Here's what he says. The story up front, as you heard it read, the farmer went out, sowed a seed. He was scattering the seed and some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. And Jesus tells us in verse 19 what that means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So what does that look like in our lives? What does it look like when we're like that? I think the path is a great visual. It's, we're hard. No, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Maybe that's just, I, I, I refuse to hear this whole gospel thing, this whole message. I don't even want to hear it. Or maybe we analyze it with our head and go, yeah, you know, that just doesn't make sense. I, no. That's just all screwy. What, miracles? and No, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, Jesus said it wasn't going to make sense. Unless we hear and listen. And sometimes, Christians... This looks like the place where no one's allowed to go and no one's allowed to touch. The gospel isn't welcome here because that's too painful. There's too much there. I'm not willing to go there. Maybe you got some of those areas. I mean, here we are on Father's Day. We alluded to it and prayed about it, but the fact is, is these Hallmark holidays, some, Hallmark doesn't deal with the pain of this life. Right? Hallmark doesn't deal with the depth of fallenness of this world. We throw platitudes at it. That's what Hallmark does, and they sell cards, and they make a lot of money. But that's not real life. That's not the gospel. The gospel's bigger than that. And so maybe, maybe that area is, you know what? I can't forgive him. I can't forgive him. It's hard. The gospel can't penetrate. There's no redemption. There's no freedom there because it can't come in. Oh, but you don't know what he did. You don't know. He's not even repentant. He doesn't care. God wants me to be happy. We're not going there. And all of those things I just said is exactly what the birds did. And he said, the evil one comes and snatches away. Who's the evil one? Well, the Bible tells us he's the deceiver, the liar, the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. All of those things I just mentioned are those lies. You don't know. Yeah, God does. 
You don't understand the depth of my pain. Oh, I think he does. I know he does. And if you want to understand the depth of pain, try being the perfect son of God and willingly being brutalized and go to your death. How about that for depth of pain? He understands. And what he wants is redemption for that. He wants freedom from it. He wants the chains to fall off. And it can't do it when it's, when it's hard. What's the antidote? It says we're supposed to give a hearing. I think this just, it's, it's just that seed of an attitude, that little kernel of an attitude. I'm willing to hear whatever it is. I don't want to go there. I absolutely do not want to go there. But I'm willing to go there because God is God and I'm not. And I trust he's got something better for me. All it takes is a willingness to go. He can take care of the rest. Saying, I'm willing to go and see what redemption in this area could look like for me. You don't have to want to. We just got to do it. Don't be hard. Don't let the hard pass keep you from all that God has for you. So not only did the seed fall on this path, it fell on this soil, it says, and let me read again, fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And Jesus in verse 20 tells us what that means. He said, it falls on rocky ground, it refers to someone who hears the word and receives it with joy. But, once they ha- but since they have no root, they last only a short time, and when trouble comes or persecution because of the word, they quickly fall away. You know, we see this in nature all the time, right? When it's weather's pleasant, there's a lot of rain, there's stuff just springing up everywhere. Out of the cracks, concrete, it doesn't matter. It's like, I didn't even know stuff grew there. There it is, it's growing up. But the second the water's gone and the sun comes out, it looks like this. I know it looks like that because that's just right across the street from my house. I got that. It's exactly what it looks like. So what does that look like in us, though? I think it looks like this, that we receive. We're like, hey, that's a good deal. Heaven? Yeah, I'm in for that. Give me a double portion. Sweet. Forgiveness? I'll take some of that. Oh, blessings on the side. Yes, count me in. And then we just roll with it. It's like we've made a deal with God in our mind that this is how it should go. And then, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, he reneged on the deal. This is not what I signed up for. This could be more difficult than I thought. No, let me renegotiate. And we would ne- maybe we would never say that. But that's how we can act. Things get tough. The sun comes out. And if we don't have any root, we're going to end up just like that. See, the trouble is, what that reveals is that we don't have a Savior. We have a service provider. We don't have a Lord. We have a waiter. It's our understanding of God that's the problem and what He is offering. We're not making deals. We're citizens of heaven. So what's the antidote for that? How do we keep from 
being that? How do we keep from not having roots and having rocky soil? I think the first thing is expectation. So as we look at ourselves and our own walk, especially as we look at how we disciple and train and teach others, expectation management. Jesus is the king of expectation management. No one does it better than him. In this world, you will have trouble. What? He says, he says, oh, guess what? People will hate you because you like me. What? It's getting bad to worse. Oh, here's what I want you to do. Every day, I want you to pick up your execution device to remind you that you need to die. Well, that's not, like, that's not as pleasant. That doesn't give me warm and fuzzies. It doesn't, but it's expectations. He tells us exactly what's coming. He also says, but take heart, I overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And so, what is the antidote? One, we need to just understand. That's how the expectations go. But the second thing is, is that we need to practice these things called spiritual disciplines. It's the things things that the church has done over 2,000 years to put ourselves in a position to be good soil, just to hear. We don't earn anything by it. You can pray, fast, you can study your Bible, serve, you can respond to every invitation to volunteer, you should, but that doesn't earn you anything with God. It just puts us in a position where He can actually move in us. It makes us good dirt. We want our roots to go all the way down. We want to get the rocks out. And so that when anything comes, when that whole thing of people hating us and the world coming against us, when that comes, we're ready. I got deep roots. I know God loves me. I know this is good. I know this, he's turning this around for good, just like his word says, even though I'm really sucking right now. The rocky soil, another one. We don't want to be there. The, second, the third one, so we got the hard-packed soil, we got the rocks with no root, and then we got this one here. It looks good. It looks like brown dirt. It looks pretty good. There's a plant growing up in it. But what we also got is these thorns. And they're choking it out. And a plant that is green and bushy and should have fruit on it does not have any fruit on it. It's just there. It's nearly an ornament, except it's not, because I know there's supposed to be tomatoes on it, but there's not. It's a worthless tomato plant. What does that mean? What does that look like in our life? I think it looks like the one that I'm going to share control with God. It's going to be God plus. So yes, I'm following after God with everything I got, and then making sure my career is good, and I'm making money, uh, because you got to put food on the table, and I need to be successful because, you know, God said I should be successful somewhere. It's in hesitations or first imaginations. I can't remember, but it's in there. God plus. We're trying to share control with God. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of cares in my world. Just look around. There's lots of things. And they all only find their resolution and their proper place as I understand the kingdom of God and look at it through that lens. Yeah, there's cares. And he tells me how to deal with them. Yeah, I got a lot of things that are not right 
around my world. But God's right. His Holy Spirit's leading and guiding us. The deceitfulness of wealth. A little note there. Why does it say the deceitfulness of wealth? Good thing, because we get lulled as if all these things are important. Is it a good thing to have food on your table? I, I think so. Roof overhead, check. You know, I even like having excess money. Right? I don't know about you, but when we're in PCS mode or deployment mode, you know how we deal with problems? We throw money at them. We make them go away. Because we got too much else on the plate. And I think that's okay in its place. But that's the deceitfulness of wealth, thinking the more we get, the more we'll be satisfied. The more we'll be comfortable, and then we'll be happy. That's not how it works. Just look at the wealthiest people in this world, and you'll see it's not how it works. And it's deceitful because we think that we can shield ourselves and comfort ourselves, which in some ways we can, largely, but all it is is staving off the inevitable. That one, you, can't die, you don't take it with you. Secondly, is all we are, like, pour into your career. You're one accident away from being kicked to the curb. Sorry to break that to you. We're all one accident away from being kicked to the curb. We can build up all as much melt as we want, and we're all one crisis away from losing it all. I don't want to be a downer, because what God's got for us is much better. And what he says is if we seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, his ways, all this other stuff will get thrown on top. When the other stuff gets sought first, you don't get anything else. You get a plant that doesn't produce. You get thorns and thistles. <clears throat> and these are the most miserable people, the most miserable Christians ever. These people aren't miserable because they're just hard and they don't even get it. These people are miserable. Why? Because they see the potential. They see what's there, what's supposed to be there, and all they got is thorns and no fruit miserable so i just ask you what's the antidote well think about what keeps you up at night what makes you anxious what stresses you out what are you worried about that you can't get over that's probably things that our order is flipped and we need to go back to seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and then let him add the rest to it what's our battle drill when we come into those those circumstances is it like the paul's words of philippians don't be anxious about anything but in everything thanksgiving prayer and petition present your request and then he can give us some peace is it seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness or is it the opposite i'll admit to you oftentimes i'm just the opposite my first battle drill is what can i do what can i make happen how can i fix this maybe that's appropriate on father's day and more it should be how can i seek his his kingdom his righteousness and so we can have the plant without the thorns. And last, the commentary. There's not any commentary here. It says, be good, be good dirt, hear and understand. That's it. There's your commentary. Hear and understand. And you will have fruit. Just one note about this and what this looks like. As we hear, Christians, it's not a one and done. It's not a one-time event. It's all the time. It's all the time. Because there are things when we first decided to, to follow Jesus, 
there are things that we couldn't even get close to. He couldn't even get down to because he's dealing with all this stuff. There's big issues. We've got to deal with these. We'll deal with those later. That's, that's my inner God dialogue. I think it's something like that. We'll get to that when we get to it. No time, no energy for that. It's the same way now. I mean, we've got to keep digging and plumbing the depths. Maybe a loose comparison to marriage, right? It's a relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with one another. If we just think we understand everything in the first year and move on from there, we're probably not going to be where we need to be. If we don't keep listening, hearing, try, seeking to understand, we're probably not going to be where we need to be. Same way with our relationship with Jesus. Hear and understand. We need to seek actively, right? Proverbs tells us, Solomon told us, seek understanding, go for it, grab it, seek, get all you can. It's on you. All we got to do, it's an inner heart attitude. If we want it, we'll get it. He'll give it to us. He gives freely to all without finding fault. He'll give it to us. And as we understand, he will open up new things. And what we will begin to see that we are worse than we knew and that God's love and his work is more amazing than we could have ever imagined. That's the understanding that we will get. And so the question this morning is, what kind of dirt are you? Maybe you find yourself in all of them. Maybe you find yourself in one. But I would, again, ask the Holy Spirit, where am I? And then the God of grace and mercy will show you and then begin to work, change, until you will grow and you will develop fruit just the way you were meant to. And everything won't be happy and positive all the time, but you will be fruitful, productive, meaningful, and you will be the exact person that God created you to be. Be good dirt this morning, saints. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come before you and and I for one don't like to admit it that I'm much worse than I think. But at the same time, I am so thankful that you are so much bigger, have so much more love and work so much more than I could have even hoped or imagined. Lord, help us as your people to listen, to hear, and to understand more and more so that we might become more like Jesus, our Savior, exactly who you created us to be. And I just pray this solely because we are servants of the Most High, Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.